You're listening to Raw and Real, a podcast for everyone dealing with loss. Join your host, Linda Piazza, as she and her guests share their experiences, knowledge, and heart when dealing with the tough topics of loss along life's journey. Our goal, whether you're dealing with a loss of a relationship, loss of health, loss of life, or loss of self, is to invite you to the table for our weekly conversation and provide some comfort in knowing that you're not alone in your grief. Now, here's your host, Linda Piazza. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Raw and Real Podcast. I am your host, Linda Piazza, and we're glad you're here. Okay, we are wrapping up the seven stages of grief. And this week, we are going to be discussing finding hope and healing. This is the very last week of the seven stages. And I hope that everything that we have talked about through the last six weeks has been very helpful to you and that you have found some piece of information that has gotten you through some difficulty through your grief process and your losses. This particular subject and what we're talking about this week is really going to hopefully give you some freedom and give you some hope for sure in your journey that you've been experiencing because I know through the majority of it, it has been very heavy and it's very difficult and it's very sad and it's very frustrating and it's a whole lot of negative stuff. However, like we've said in the past, all of that stuff needs to be done, needs to be felt, needs to be talked about in order for you to go through the process to come back out on the other side as a whole person. So this week, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about is healing and hope and seeing light at the end of the tunnel, unwrapping this subject and actually finding something good inside that will make you feel a little bit better and know that you can live again. Okay, full transparency here. I've already recorded this. Yeah, so last week on my sister's birthday, which was our first birthday without her, I had decided that I thought it was a perfect time for me to do the last stage of grief on her birthday. Thought it was appropriate, thought it was a good idea. Uh, The podcast was pretty emotional. It was good, but there was a lot of emotion in it. And I accidentally deleted it. Yeah, so I'm doing this all over again. I wasn't a happy camper, but I feel like there's a reason. So I don't know why it disappeared. Actually, I don't know if I deleted it or not. I just know that I don't have it. I can't find it. I did it and I went to send it for editing. (laughs) Haha, I can't find it. So I'm redoing this episode, this podcast. So we are talking about healing and our journey through grief. And this is the end in a sense of the journey. But let me start out by telling you that grief never ends. It never ends. You are going to survive. You're going to laugh and you're going to enjoy life again. But there are going to be moments throughout your life that are going to be challenging and difficult. There's going to be something that's going to pop up that's going to remind you of your loved one. There's going to be a smell. There's going to be a song. There's going to be 
a picture, there's going to be something from time to time that is going to pop up that's going to make you feel sad. It's going to make you miss that person. It's going to make you cry. And that is okay. That is normal. And there's nothing wrong with it. And just because you feel like you've gotten over that hump and you feel like I can breathe again and you feel like you are done with your grieving process and you think you've left it behind you, you haven't. You've gone through the steps. You've done what you've needed to do. You've experienced all of the stages and you've gotten yourself to a good place, which is what your goals are and what you should be doing. But I just want you to know that this isn't the end of it. And I'm not saying it to take you down or depress you. I'm just saying it because throughout life and years and years and years to come, there are always going to be moments that you're going to miss the person that you lost always. So people often say grief is like a roller coaster ride. It pulls you up and then it drops you down. It twists and turns, leaving your heart and your throat and your mind is a blur sometimes. And this is happens now and it can happen five years from now. In five years from now, everything's going great. And one day you just are crying and you don't even realize why. And you get frustrated with yourself. Just want you to remember this. Don't get frustrated with yourself because it's normal. Nina died 17 years ago almost. It'll be 17 years in December. And I still have my moments. I still will think of her and lose it. I will miss her to where my heart hurts and I've got a lump in my throat. My mom's been gone 10 years and it's the same thing. I still have an ache for them. I have a missing piece of my heart that will never repair. It will kind of like have a scar tissue over it um, in a sense if you are a visual person. And I understand all that. And five months, five years, 10 years, 15 years, it doesn't matter. Your loss is great. Your loss is with you for the rest of your life. As I said before, you just learn to do life differently and you will learn to live again. You will have joy in your life and you will laugh and you will smile. And that's the thing for you to look forward to as you're going through this process. You might feel like there are moments when you finally moved on and then all of a sudden a song, like I said, a smell just jolts you. It just like hits you upside the head. The song I can only imagine was played at Nina's funeral, not her funeral, at her memorial service. And to this day, I cannot listen to that song. Just a few months ago, I was watching The Voice and one of the contestants decided he thought it was a good idea to sing I Can Only Imagine. And I hear just one chord of that song and I know exactly what it is. And typically I run to turn the radio off. If it's in church, I actually will exit if I can because I can't do that song. When that song comes on, I almost want to crawl up into like a fetal position because that is how emotional I get over that song. It brings me back 
1000% to the moment of her death, to the moment of the loss in her being pulled away from my life. Every time I hear that song. And I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking because I didn't turn the TV off or turn the volume down like I should. And I remember sitting there thinking for one second, I probably just should listen to this because it's probably not going to affect me anymore. I'm just crazy and I can't keep running from a song. This is silly. And so I'm like, I'll be fine. Well, let me tell you something. I wasn't fine. I was hysterical. Like, couldn't catch my breath crying. My daughter called me and she's like, what is wrong? And I said, I'm watching The Voice and one of the guys are singing, I can only imagine. And she knew immediately. And she's like, do you want to call me back? And I said, yes. I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak. And it was 16 years ago. So there are going to be those moments. There are going to be those times that they are just going to take you by the throat, basically, and just almost feel like you're suffocating sometimes. But they're far and few between. It doesn't happen as often as it used to. But when it does happen, let it happen. Allow it to happen. I found myself starting to fight it. And then I thought, why are you doing this? You know better. Just go with it. I got to tell you, it was rough. The rest of the night was rough and the next day was rough. It wasn't like there was just the moment of the song. And once the song was over, I was okay because that wasn't the case. It was not the case. But you're going to have those moments even down the road. You're on the other side of it right now. You have gone through your steps, like I said. You feel like things are going okay, and that's fantastic. But don't get shocked or upset when something hits you and brings back that sadness all over again. Be patient with yourself. Treat yourself well. Treat yourself well. It's important. Like if I started like saying negative stuff to myself when that song came on, it would not have helped me feel better. So I allowed myself the moment. I allowed myself the time that I need to. Don't rush. Don't let anybody rush you. Don't let anybody tell you that you should be over it. We've had this conversation before too. Just be and do what you need to do. Allow your feelings. Again, don't stay stuck because when you stay stuck, that is when things kind of go a little bit off track. So as you're working through all of this, some of the things that you will continue to experience throughout this process in, in talking about healing, there's going to be coping with loneliness because you have, during your grief, you've probably pushed people away. You've probably kind of secluded yourself. Sometimes people stay away because you're not fun to be around. So there's a lot of loneliness that kind of comes with your grief. And you're going to find, I think, a little bit more of that loneliness towards the end of it. 
then you are in the middle of it. Because I think in the middle of your grief through the other stages, you're just so angry or so sad that the loneliness just doesn't really affect you. I think when a kind of all that goes away, those are kind of visitors in a sense. And those visitors aren't here anymore, thankfully, because you've worked through the process. The loneliness kind of sets in and the loneliness is really hard. And you've got to figure out a way to not stay there because that can take you down a really challenging road that will drag you back into your grief. And you don't want to do that. You already have had enough difficulties and sadness. So when the loneliness hits you and the loneliness sets in, it's normal. Try not to stay there. Try to pick up the phone and call somebody. Try to make sure that you're surrounded by people. Somehow figure out a way to not be by yourself. But sometimes people are with other people. And this is really a hard time to be lonely when you are with people. People are around you. People are at your house or you're out in public and you're with your friends. And when you're with all these people, you're feeling lonely. That's tough because something's off and you're still kind of carrying your grief with you that causes you to feel lonely in a big group of people. So be aware of it more than anything else. When it does happen, address it and identify it because that's going to be important to you being able to pull out of it a little bit faster. At this point and at this stage, the thing that's really important is for you to recognize, acknowledge, feel, and move on because you don't want to have to go back to the beginning. Because as you know, as you've been traveling this road, it has been a long road. It's been a bumpy road. It's been a difficult road. And you don't want to go all the way back. So when you kind of feel that way, if you can get a little bit of control, and sometimes you can't, but just do what you can not to stay stuck, not to stay stuck. Like we talked about a few minutes ago, you're going to have the sudden upurges of grief. And one of the biggest things that I'm finding right now, 12 days from now, it'll be a year that my sister passed away. And I'm actually feeling better. I'm not crying every day. I miss her. Her birthday was really tough. Very, very difficult, especially, you know, I live in Houston, Texas, and we're in the midst of a crisis with COVID. So I really don't see anybody, don't leave my house. So I have been by myself quite a bit and I was by myself on her birthday. So that made it a lot harder. And it was, it was tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was a really, really rough day. But I find now a friend of mine from high school, uh, Jimmy Graziano just called and had a nice conversation with him. His brother, Mike, who we were good friends with in high school. Jimmy and Mike were are twins. And Mike died literally an exact week before Diane. So that was totally shocking for all of us. Very difficult. Not expecting my sister to die. We certainly didn't expect Mike to die. So Jimmy and I were just having a conversation about that. You know, his 
anniversary is the 13th and Diane's is the 20th, we actually were able to have a conversation today without crying, without like a lump in our throat, without a lot of emotion. It was not in a negative way. It was in a good way that we both have gone through our process and we're in a better place. And we're able to mention Diane and Mike. We're able to talk about them. We're able to laugh about them. We're able to tell stories about them, which keeps them alive, which makes me feel okay, makes me feel better. And six months ago, bringing her up and talking about her, I'd be crying right now. And so it's very positive and uplifting. And I hope I'm giving you encouragement that some of you have followed my journey on Facebook from last year when I was doing my Monday chatters up until now through these podcasts and stuff. And I think you can tell through some of the podcasts, my voice, the emotion that was in all of it, that I've come a pretty decent way. And it encourages you to know that you will get through it and it will be okay. And it's not going to be like this forever. And you're not going to be sad forever. And you're not going to be angry forever. And you're not going to be guilty forever, whatever the emotions are, whatever the stages that you're in right now, it's not forever. It's for a moment. And that moment may last a day. It may last a week. It may last six months. But once that moment and you've worked through it and you move forward to the next thing, there is relief at the end. There is healing. There is hope. And you will be better. You will get better. And again, there isn't a time frame. So I don't want you to feel like, well, she was feeling better a year later. Why am I not feeling better a year later? Let me tell you something. I haven't always felt better a year later. For the first two years after Nina died, I woke up crying every single morning. Two years. And I went to bed crying every single night. My mom died. That was four months practically of just staying in my house and not talking to a soul, not wanting anybody around me, sitting in the dark. Terrible times, terrible, terrible times. But I survived. And that's the good news is you'll survive too. And it's, this isn't forever. It isn't forever. And that's the thing I want to get across to you the most. So last week, we talked about some things that you can do that will help you heal and move forward and let go, because that's the stage you're in right now is letting go. Letting go of your loved one. I remember my sister telling me she had a dream of my mom telling us to stop tethering my dad, and we were holding him back because we couldn't let go and that we needed to let go so he can move on to wherever he needed to go. Our belief is he's in heaven and he had stuff to do and we were getting in the way. So it's real important for you to let go of your loved one. And depending on what your belief system is, I believe in Jesus and I believe in God and I believe in heaven. And I believe that's where my parents are. I believe that's where my loved ones are. And I would hate to be the one that is holding them back here where they can't actually find peace. Uh, way, 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 way back when my grandmother 
my uncle had died and this was way before I was even born. I think my mother was like 12 years old and my grandmother, you know, he died suddenly in a car accident, came home to surprise her. And it was not the surprise he was hoping or that she was thinking. And it was, it was not good. It was, it was bad. And she was crying all the time. And I can't, I mean, if something happened to one of my kids, you might want to put me in the coffin with them because I don't know that I could survive that as I'm telling you to move forward. Right. Uh, anyway, and she cried a lot and a friend of hers daughter had a dream and the daughter got up the next day and said, mom, I had this really strange dream. This man came to me in my dream and he had a bag on the back of his, a, a big sack on the back of his back holding it and asked me to give a message to his mother to tell her to stop crying because the bag of tears that he's carrying is getting too heavy. From the story that I remember, this girl didn't know my grandmother. And somehow her mom knew my grandmother. So she was able to take the message to her mother and her mother was able to take the message to my grandmother. Diana, you need to stop crying so Peter can move on. He's carrying your tears and they're getting too heavy for him. You might think I'm crazy by that story. You might think the story is crazy. I believe stuff like that happens. I believe that there are ways that the dead people can communicate with us. I think there's signs. I believe strongly that there are signs and I, I, I just do. And think what you want because think I'm probably crazy, but I, I do. And so from that moment on, my grandmother pulled herself together because my uncle through this dream had asked her to. So you letting go of the person that you love not only helps you, but if you believe like I do, it'll help them as well. And as you're letting go, you're not letting go of your relationship. You're not letting go of your love. You're not letting go of your 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 memories, you are letting go of that person so that you can move on and they can move on. So some of the exercises and things I told you about last week with the balloons and the letters and the garbage disposal and the ice, all that stuff, I hope somebody, I hope, I hope you did it because I think that it's very freeing and I think you will find a release there. I really do. I think you'll find a release to your emotions and your feelings by doing that. So I hope you have and that. That's something that will help you heal and that will help you move forward and help you continue and help you to find some joy. You've got to let go of the person you lost. You have to go through your stages of grief. You have to feel and you have to allow yourself in order for you to heal. If you don't feel, you won't heal. And so the first year is the hardest. Some people may disagree with me because five years from now, if you, here's, here's the thing. If you don't deal with your grief the first year somebody dies, then, and you sweep it under the rug, then Five years from now, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you in the behind and it's going to be worse than it would have been if you dealt with it the first year. So deal with it the first year. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't forget about it because it's real important to go through that process in the beginning. And again, there's no timeline. Nobody 
nobody can rush you through. There's not anything set in stone that says, here's the day the person died and you're going to be over it on this day. It's all different. It's all personal. It's all unique. It's all individual. It's all according to you and what your needs are. But know that there is healing and joy at the end. And you will continue to live and you will smile and you will enjoy life again. And that is so important. So the first year is difficult because you have the first Christmas without him, the first Easter without them, first Hanukkah without him, depending on what you're your, you believe in your first Valentine's Day or your first Fourth of July or the birthdays, the anniversaries, whatever it is, you've got a lot of first in there. You have also things that happen in your life that you want to celebrate and you want to pick up the phone and call that person and tell them and they're not there. So all of those things are things that you are going to deal with the first year, second year of their loss. We are on the last first of Diane with her anniversary coming up. We've been through it. The first Mother's Day, the first birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, all of it. And we've even relived, at least I know I've relived the phone call I got the day she told me she had cancer. I realized this was something real interesting. I used to walk every morning. And the morning that she called me, I think I told you all that I was on a walk and she told me she had cancer, continued our conversation, came home. Do you know, I didn't take very many more walks after that. Of course, things got crazy. I went back to New York. I was there for a long time while she was in the hospital and then stayed for everything that we needed to do afterwards and came back. When I came back, I didn't do my morning walks anymore. And I never really gave it too much thought until a few weeks ago. And I started my walks again and I've been committed to it and I'm doing it. And I, I, I walked down the street that I was at the day I got the phone call and I looked at this tree in front of this house and I was like oh my god that's where I was when she called me and the emotions and everything came back and I realized that I stopped walking every morning because of that phone call it took me a year to figure it out I, I mean I would get up and say oh man I need to walk I really need to walk but I would talk myself out of it somehow and a couple weeks ago, it hit me and I was like, whoa, I stopped walking because of the call. I really did. That's the reality. So now that you've gone through all of your first, you've gone through your six other stages, you dealt with your anger, you dealt with your guilt, you dealt with your sadness and shock and all of that stuff. And now you're at the end of your griefing process. There are things that now you'll have to deal with. And some of the things you may have already dealt with, you, you may have. Things like knowing when to empty a closet, when to clear out a room, 
when to stop wearing, if you were married, when to stop wearing your wedding ring. My dad never stopped. My mom died. My dad died four years after her. My dad died wearing his wedding ring. He never took it off. Some people don't. And some people, depending on their situation, they don't know when's the right time. And so these are some of the things that you're going to think about and wonder when it's appropriate. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether somebody else thinks it's appropriate or not, whether they think the timing is appropriate or not. It doesn't matter. Appropriate, take it out of your mind because some people will want to do something specific and don't because somebody's going to judge them. So if I take my wedding ring off too soon, somebody's going to say something and they're going to think it wasn't appropriate and I should still be wearing it. Who gives a shit? Don't care about what other people think or what other people say. It's not according to their timeline and what it is that they think you should or shouldn't do. It's according to your timeline. It's according to what you're comfortable with. It's according to what you feel like you should be doing and what stage you're at and where you're at in your grief. And it's none of their damn business frankly. So when you want to take your wedding ring off, take it off. And if you want to wear it, wear it. That is completely up to you and it's nobody else's business. When you get rid of some of their possessions, when you have to sell the family home, if you were married, do you start dating again? These are all the things that grieving people face when they want to move on, but they have these things kind of lingering. So a lot just depends. A lot just depends. So in my dad's case, my mom was already gone. My dad did not get rid of a single thing of my mother's. The day he died, the house was exactly the same as it was the day my mother died, four years later. God bless my sisters because they are the ones that went through the house and packed up everything distributed everything, got rid of everything, whatever had to be done to clear the house out to sell, they were the ones that did it. So God bless you guys. In my dad's will, he was very clear on how long we were allowed to keep the house before we had to list it and put it on the market for sale. And I would suggest you have a conversation with your family about that. Some Members of my family thought it was too soon. Other members of the family thought it was okay. My father had a reason behind his timeline. And as a family, I think that's something that you should discuss and decide if you have a family that can be agreeable to things. As the person, you know, I own my house. So I look around and if something were to happen to me, how would I want my kids to, to proceed? Would I want them to keep the house for a year? Would I want them to get rid of it right away? It's a conversation I need to have with them and find out what their comfort level is. And they may not know. They may not know. I can determine a timeline according to what I understand and what I know that I've been through with other people that I've lost. Nina, Ada, my mom, my dad. You don't want to rush through things because what ends up happening is you realize down the road that there was something that you wanted that you didn't realize you would want and it's gone. And I know it's all stuff and stuff's not important, but stuff of somebody who's no longer here, some of it's important. 
So I, I didn't get a lot after my parents passed. I didn't live there. So anything I got, I would have to ship and it just wasn't worth it. So I got a few things, but uh, my son-in-law had gotten a truck and brought back stuff from, from my daughter's grandmother and then my mom. And one of the things they brought back was several bags of clothes. So one of the things that I decided to do with my parents' clothes that I had was to make quilts. And I love my quilt. I just love it. I made one for myself, each one of my children, and then one for each grandchild, not each individual grandchild. So I made one for Stephanie's kids and one for Jordan's kids and one for Tyler's kids and one for Chris's kids. So each family has a small child baby blanket. That's a quilt. And then my kids all have a lap quilt that I had made for them. And then I have my big one on my bed. A couple of my sisters um, have quilts that they made or I had made for them and whatever. And that was awesome. I see that quilt every morning, think of my parents every day. And I laugh at some of the pieces that were in there. When I brought the clothes to the lady that did the quilt, I told her, you will be led to certain pieces. Those are the pieces I want you to put in there. I don't want to dictate to you and tell you which pieces to use. The only thing I insisted that you put in every quilt was my father's pajamas that he died in. Outside of that, it was like, whatever you think should go in this quilt, that is what's meant to be. And it was just wonderful. And like I said, I, it's on my bed and I see it every day and I really enjoy it. So if you've got a bunch of clothes and you don't know what to do, a lot of people will donate them. Some people will wear them. Some people are not sure what to do with them. There are a few things that I wish I had kept so I could wear, you know, a nightshirt or sweatshirt or something like that. But the quilt was a great thing. It was, it was really a good thing for, for me to do. So when you're cleaning out your closets, think about that. What can I do with these? A friend of mine made a bear with her husband's shirts and gave the bears to each one of her kids, which was really cool with a picture of him wearing that shirt. So that was a great idea. There's lots of things that you can do that will help you save some of their stuff and remember them and have an intimate moment and kind of look at it in a really special way, which is, is nice. So when you sell the family home, it's tough. Think about it. Have conversations around it. Their possessions. Oh, man. Have conversations. Have conversations. That's all I can tell you. What's important to you? What is it that they have that you really would like to have if something were to happen? Have a conversation with them about it. And if they're no longer here, if somebody's no longer here, obviously we're having this conversation about people that are dead, so I don't know what's wrong with me, but they're no longer here. If there's something that has a sentimental value to you, have that conversation around it if it wasn't spelled out in a will. And if you don't get that, peace don't lose sleep over it because you've got your memories yeah you would like to have that coat or you'd like to have that shirt or you would like to have that 
lamp or whatever it is that you had a special attachment to, but if for some reason you don't get it, you don't have it, just remember that it's stuff and you can't take it with you. It would be nice to have, but don't get so obsessed with it where it's going to ruin another relationship. That wouldn't be a good thing. And it's, it's definitely not worth it. So knowing when to do all this is really hard. And that timeline, again, is your timeline, along with if you have other family members or children, it's something that y'all need to discuss. And if it's not clearly stated in a will, it's going to be really dependent upon when you're ready. And you may not be ready for a long time, and that's okay. If you lost your spouse, you might not even want to sleep in your bed for months. You might not want to walk into that room for, for months. It's all normal, and it's okay. When you get to a place where you're feeling better and you can do it, do a little bit at a time. There is no rush for anything. Just remember that. And it's important for you to remember that. Very important. At this stage, probably the best thing that I can tell you to do to continue your process is to talk to people. The more you talk, the more healing happens. So if you've got a close friend or a close family member that you can confide in and won't judge you and let you talk, that's probably your best prescription for this situation because I think if you don't talk about it, you're bottling it up. And when you're bottling it up, it has a tendency to stick around longer. If you know somebody who's going through a difficult time and you can help them, do so. Pick up the phone and call them, text them, see if you can do anything, bring them dinner. Just make sure that they know that you're there. So when they do have those moments, they can feel comfortable to pick up the phone and call and talk to you. In order for you to heal, in order for you to move on, in order for you to have a full life again, which probably will look different because it's typical to look different because you just learn to do life differently after somebody close to you dies. You have to go through the stages. You've got to go through the process in order to come out on the other side. So guys, I think that the last seven weeks have been important. I don't know if much of it made sense to you. I hope so. I hope that if you took away one thing from each podcast, the last six podcasts plus this one, if you got just one thing out of it, I'll feel pretty good about it because at least you're doing something. Staying idle and not moving forward in any way is not going to help you. And going through what's necessary is probably the healthiest thing you can do for yourself. 
it's normal and it's all okay and you're not alone because other people are going through it not the same because everybody's grief is different but just know that this does get better this does have an ending to it in a sense and you will find joy in your life again I'm really glad you joined me over the last seven weeks. I hope you got something out of it, like I said, just a few minutes ago. If there is anything that you need, please reach out to us. My name is Linda Piazza, and I am the host of Ron Real Podcast, and we are really glad you were here. If you would like to connect with us, join us on our Facebook page, Ron Real Podcast with Linda Piazza. It is a public page. Just go in there and join the group. We would love to have you. And we will talk to you next week. I'm not sure what next week is going to be about. So I'm not going to tell you this is what we're going to talk about because I really am not sure. Anyway, thanks for sticking in here with me. I hope I didn't babble. Hope I made some sense to you. We're glad you're here. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week for another episode of Raw and Real. If you like what you heard, Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app so you get notification of all new episodes. 